Well, hi, everybody, and this is a podcast for the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs, or WASPIC. I am your executive director, Steve Strand, and this podcast today is going to be about um, DNA advancements, and another way to put this is to find, you know, sort of talk a little bit about how has DNA changed, how has the technology changed, but more importantly, what does that do for us? What does that do for us as chiefs and sheriffs, and what can it do for you um, as a law enforcement executive, and we have two folks who know a ton about this and are the right people to answer this question. Um, first of all, we have with us uh, Kate Heeman, who is an assistant attorney general. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. We also have Lindsay Wade. She is an investigator with the attorney general's office and a longtime uh, Tacoma PD, uh, very experienced investigator as well. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. So um, let's start, if we could, with just DNA. I mean, um, a lot of the folks listening to this podcast will be uh, chiefs or sheriffs, and um, we know about DNA. We've been using it over the years, but um, how's it changed? I mean, what's? It, it seems like things are accelerating in this field. Can you talk a little bit about that, Lindsay? Sure. So the field of DNA uh, science and the use of DNA to solve crimes has rapidly changed and is rapidly changing and evolving. So. Um, you know, cases that were, you know, investigated, let's say uh, homicide cases, for example, or sexual assault cases that um, occurred years ago um, could potentially be solved today with new DNA technologies that are available. And um, a lot of times uh, we've got cases that have been submitted, let's say, um, you know, 20 years ago, uh, 10 years ago five years ago even, mm -hmm. cases where um, evidence was submitted but nothing, there were no results, no DNA profile was developed. And um, so in some instances, agencies might, might feel like that's the end of the road for their case. Mm -hmm. uh, however, DNA uh, technology has changed so much that uh, today you may be able to resubmit evidence on a case where previously you got nothing, and today you get a, a full profile. Mm -hmm. So basically it's, it's the tools uh, are just rapidly evolving and, and improving. Yes. And it makes it so that uh, where we may not have gotten a hit years ago, it's Correct. it's very possible that there's gonna be a hit now. Absolutely, so I had a case as an example, it was a sexual assault homicide from 2002, and evidence was submitted to the crime lab back in 2002 uh, from the you know swabs that were collected at autopsy. Mm -hmm. No DNA was recovered back in 02. Um, fast forward to 2015, I resubmit the same exact evidence and mm -hmm. I get a full profile and wow. a CODIS hit. Wow. Okay. So same evidence, uh -huh. but the testing, um, the sensitivity of the actual um, instruments that they use to do the DNA testing mm -hmm. is much more sensitive today than it used to be. Right. And they also have just different kinds of DNA testing that they can do today that they couldn't do previously. And there's probably a you know, we could talk for three hours about how it's changed, but I'm, I'm part of my understanding as somebody who's not an expert in this is, um, the for, for example, I think there once was a time when you needed a really significant amount of DNA evidence. It had to be relatively intact and so forth. And now you could sort of like trace, trace evidence can almost be correct. measured. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Uh, you used to have to have a sample maybe the size of a quarter mm -hmm. in order to get a DNA profile. Right. Today, Mm -hmm. You know, you can get a, a DNA profile from just a few cells. So right. it's much different today um, than it used to be. And 
so that's that's pretty exciting. The other mm-hmm. thing is, uh, you know, they're getting DNA today at the lab from um, what they call touch DNA. Mm-hmm. So that's skin cells. So mm-hmm. when you touch something, um, you know, you, you potentially leave your skin cells on mm-hmm. that item. So clothing, um, objects, um, things that uh, might not yield our mm-hmm. standard um, DNA profile from, you know, what we think of right. from sexual assault evidence. but. Right evidence just from your skin cells can be obtained from the lab today using not just like a swab and a q-tip but they mm-hmm. actually have um, something new called the MVAC which is actually a DNA vacuum mm-hmm. so they use this little vacuum that that uh, basically sucks up the DNA it shoots out sterile water it sucks it back up into a filter and they are getting fantastic results with this machine mm-hmm. I myself got a great result off of it from a homicide case from 1993 that again, I had probably been submitting evidence for about eight years on the same case and gotten mm-hmm. always coming back with nothing. Mm-hmm. And finally was able to generate a partial DNA profile that matched my suspect mm-hmm. from using the DNA vacuum. So just to be clear, let's say I've got a, a, a pair of pants from a case yes. 10 years ago and I've had it in storage for 10 years in mm-hmm. evidence. Conceivably, you could take the MVAC, yes. get evidence from that 10-year-old piece of, the, the 10-year-old pair of Yep. pants that have been sitting there for 10 years and this could conceivably lead to a closure on this case absolutely that's astounding so as things advance rapidly and things are changing um i would imagine that there are chiefs and sheriffs in our state that will that are thinking to themselves okay i've got a cold case i mean so many of our departments have cold cases it's very common um, i think in some of the the data you gave me there's um 1900 unsolved homicides in the state of Washington, 1,900. So, um, and not all homicides. I mean, you've also got serious sexual assaults and some cold cases like that as well. So with this huge number of cold cases, what kinds of things should a chief or sheriff be thinking about in terms of, you know, I mean, we can't do all of them. So how do we prioritize? Right. So I would be definitely looking at cases where there could potentially be DNA evidence available. Cases where you, number one, you have evidence remaining, because we know that sometimes with these old cases, the evidence gets destroyed, thrown away, lost. But on cases where you do have evidence, um, you know, cases that have some kind of a sexual component typically Mm -hmm. are going to yield your best results. Okay. But, you know, not necessarily. You could have a, a straight up you know, shooting homicide mm-hmm. where um, the suspect left an item of clothing, a hat behind, mm-hmm. a glove behind, um, and you could get DNA from those things as mm-hmm. well. So you can get DNA from a lot of different items of mm-hmm. evidence. I guess the message I would um, want to send is that if you don't have the resources in your own agency to go back and review these cases, I would definitely recommend reaching out to, um, you know, the HITS unit. Mm-hmm. We've got investigators that are all prior mm-hmm. homicide detectives that all have a pretty good understanding of DNA technology. And then just last year, we formed a group here in the state of Washington. We're calling ourselves the, the Washington State Cold Case Working Group, mm-hmm. uh, which is comprised of about 50 people at the moment, um, encompassing about 26 different agencies. And it's multidisciplinary, so we've got detectives that are current, retired. We've got crime lab folks prosecutors, um, forensic anthropologists, Mm -hmm. odontologists, I mean, people from various disciplines that come together to discuss 
the new technologies available for mm -hmm. investigating cold cases. Mm -hmm. And also, um, we can help agencies go through their case. You know, if they mm -hmm. want someone to just read through it, mm -hmm. give some suggestions about um, what evidence they might want to resubmit, mm -hmm. you know, things like that, you know, we can certainly help with. So, um, and I think a lot of our chiefs and sheriffs know what HITS is, but explain just what HITS is. So HITS is the Homicide Investigation and Tracking System mm -hmm. unit that's within the Attorney General's office. And it's made up of, um, I think there are five investigators currently in HITS that are all previous mm -hmm. homicide investigators Experienced. here in Washington right. State. Right. And um, the, the HITS unit collects data on all homicide cases in the state, solved mm -hmm. and unsolved. And they also collect data on other violent crimes, missing persons, and sexual assault cases. Mm -hmm. And so if, um, you know, the HITS unit is also a great resource if you just want information. Let's say you've got a serial offender on the loose in your town. You've got some unsolved rapes. Mm -hmm. uh, you can reach out to HITS and say, hey, do you have anything similar in your mm -hmm. database? Is anything jumping out at you? Mm -hmm. They can search the database, which is pretty extensive, to see if there's anything similar. So it's a group to sort of help connect those dots. Yes. So, And I'm just going to put a pitch in for a second on, on HITS before we talk more about the cold case working group. Um, when I served as chief in Bremerton, we had two um, unsolved cold cases that were a few years old, high-profile cases of stabbings, and got a lot of attention in the in the in the public, as you'd imagine. And and we brought in hits along with uh, some other experienced detectives just to sit down with our detectives and run through for probably two days everything that had been done. Um, everything had been, uh, been done up to that time. And it wasn't, um, and a lot of detectives know this, it wasn't about what did you do wrong or let's find fault, but rather, have you thought about this? Um, what, you know, what boxes haven't we checked yet? Right. And, you know, the tech detectives went in with an open mind and it was a great process. And I think that's one of the things that um, many departments know that's available, but it's really important, I think, for folks to know that to bring professionals from different perspectives together, yes. um, you know, leads to getting these things solved. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the cold case working group. This is a big deal. As I mentioned, 1,900 unsolved homicides in our state. And it seems, Kate, like we are seeing an increase lately in um, information and, and, and cases being solved that are old cold cases. And I think part of that is DNA but it's also things like the working group. Can you talk a little bit about that? We definitely are seeing an increase um, in cold cases that are being solved. And I think a big part of that is the advancement in technology of DNA mm -hmm. and what's being used. But I think in addition, it is uh, groups like this, like our cold case working group, that come together to offer insight about the uh, next steps and in investigations that can be taken. Um, a lot of agencies may not have the resources to be able to go back and investigate these cold cases. Cold cases are they're an interesting animal to mm -hmm. investigate. You have old evidence, um, you have cases that people who are looking at them now weren't looking at when they first started. You have witnesses and victims who are no longer mm -hmm. around or available. So you have to come at it from a different way than you'd be looking at uh, a current case, I would say. And so you know, the working group has individuals who have worked cold cases for years um, and also people who know things about stuff that we know nothing about. Mm -hmm. you know, having the lab there is incredibly helpful. They mm -hmm. know what the lab can do and can mm -hmm. offer a great amount of insight into so, that. Sort of a multidisciplinary approach. Yeah. yeah. You know, when we 
when we look at stuff just from our perspective, such as when I look at a case from a prosecutor's perspective, I, I don't know all the other resources that other people can offer. I don't look at a case from, let's say, a forensic anthropologist's point of view mm -hmm. or from the forensic lab's point of view. I look mm -hmm. at it from a prosecutor's point of view, and it's the you know, same with detectives mm -hmm. and lab people. We all come at it from our perspective yeah. and our experience. Um, I was just going to say, in my experience, a lot of detectives, it seems like they're either sort of evidence-centric or statement-centric, mm -hmm. and I'm going to solve this case the way that I am accustomed to. It's, right. Again, it sort of speaks to... You know, this is this is what I'm used to, and then to have people from the other other perspectives really helps. Yeah, and I think you know having prosecutors there helps to say, okay, this is what I would need to be able to charge this, to be able mm -hmm. to go forward, so that we can sort of finish up, mm -hmm. make all that hard work that the detectives are doing mm -hmm. worth something in the end. So, so I'm imagining somebody listening to this podcast or learning about this who may be from a department that hasn't worked with hits, that hasn't worked with a group like this mm -hmm. um, and it may seem like well how do I access this and you know is my cold case really something that you would be interested in looking at how, how do I move forward if I'm in that position you can just reach out to Lindsay uh, okay. at the Attorney General's office and we meet we try and meet monthly um, I would say and we met last time and had two cases presented I think we ended up only being able to do one mm -hmm. um, but just let us know, and even if we can't bring it before the big working mm -hmm. group, mm -hmm. um, our HITS investigators are part of that larger working group, but we can absolutely set up something okay. with just the HITS division to look at that. Or even if you know you don't necessarily want your case reviewed, mm -hmm. um, we can have one of the HITS investigators help out. So if we have a... There. 